0: Right, right, let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 96. And uh, as you're turning there, Psalm 96, this is the last day in our uh, series Radical Together. If you were in Sunday school today, you looked at a message uh, entitled, uh, A God Who Exalts God. We're going to talk about the glory of God and, and what that means. But I want to just say also, I hope that you take the chance to, um, to get to know Jordan. He's a great guy and loves the Lord. And I want to give you a statistic here before we jump into the text. This is from Tom Rayner, who is basically um, the statistics man is regarding church and such. And here's a statistic. Just 6% of millennials believe that the Bible is the written word of God. People my generation, a little bit younger than me and up, 6% in the U.S. of millennials believe that the Bible is the written Word of God. Those are the facts, at least statistically. And you can only have a statistical margin of error so much. So we've got a choice as a church. Are we going to engage millennials... Are we going to engage and actively say whatever it takes to reach students? High school, middle school, college, kids. Every church in the U.S. right now is coming to an intersection to where they say, are we willing to do whatever it takes to reach that group of people, that demographic wherein only 6% believes that the Bible is the Word of God? Or are we only going to reach them If they are like us. And I believe that Rocky Mount Baptist Church has come to the place in its church life to say that we are willing. Amen, church. We're willing to do whatever it takes to see people saved. So, Jordan, man, we're so glad that you're here. And um, it's just going to be a a great semester and a great time getting to serve together. But as you turn to Psalm 96, what I want to do today is I'm going to read this entire chapter, all 13 verses, And before we begin to read these verses, I want you to think about the question, where am I going in my life? Am I even doing what I want to in my life right now? Psalm chapter 96, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, oh, sing to the Lord. What kind of song, church? A new song. Let me stop right here. Did you know that even the old songs were new at one time? Y'all with me? Even the oldest song in existence was one time a hit record. Verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name bring an offering and come into his courts worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness tremble before him all the earth say among the nations the Lord reigns yes the world is established it shall never be moved he will judge the peoples with equity which means equality verse 11 Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. What an incredible text of Scripture, saying that everything that we do, everything that we sing should be for God and about God. Before we dive into this text, I want to ask you the question, have you ever come to that place in your life to where you've looked around and you've wondered, what in the world am I doing? Without a show of hands, have you ever been to that place before in your life? You say, why, why am I doing? Kind of going b- below the surface level. You may be reading the Bible or, or, or contemplating the claims of Jesus and say, am I really even doing w- what I want to do? Is this, is this direction in my life worth anything? In fact, if I look back at my life, am I even where I wanted to be? And if I am doing what I want to do, do I want to do what I should do? There's a question in my place in life right now, regardless of age today. And by the way, you guys are the few, the proud, the ones who brave the cold. Amen. It's like the coldest day of my life. Coming from Louisiana and Florida and a little bit of Texas, you know, like one snowflake and all of Texas shuts down. I like what Tim Hawkins says. In the state of Texas, the way they salt the roads is they've got one guy with a salt shaker out there. You know, and then South Carolina and then you move to Virginia, you're like, wow, this is cold. You're here. But the question for some of us is we we get so busy sometimes... That we don't ever step to the side and analyze our life with the question, am I even going in a direction that I want to go? Is there anything at the end of this road, this road may be retirement, this road may be a college or high school, middle school career. Like one guy I talked to, he said, I spent the best eight years of my life in eighth grade. It may be taking a long time to get through. Some of you guys will get that in a minute. It may be the job that you're working. You say, I'm working my job, Jeff, but like, what's the point of working my job? And somebody will say, well, you have to survive. I've got to provide. But why do you have to provide? Once you provide for the family and yourself, what then? It's kind of, we think and we think and we think, and at the end of the road, if the objective is not to glorify God, which means to help all of the earth, all of your friends, all your family, all those even annoying coworkers. Can I get a witness this morning? All right? Even those people, even the boss, all those people, the objective for our life is that everything we do will let people know how amazing Jesus Christ is. And if that's not the goal with everything that we do, we will look at the end of our life. If you are over the hill or if you are climbing the hill or if you think that you're at the very bottom of the hill with one foot in the grave, anywhere on the road, on the hill, this side or that side, if there's not the Lord there, then all that we see ultimately, if we take five minutes and think about it, is my life will have been totally and absolutely meaningless. Have you ever thought about that? If I died right now, or if I continue on the same trajectory or trajectory that I'm on, will there have been anything of worth? Will it have made a difference on planet Earth if Jeff Robinson had actually lived? Or would it not have even mattered? And we remember back in science class, right? We learned that the earth, or that the world for thousands of years had thought that the earth, right, was the center of our solar system, but then later we, we learned that it, that it wasn't, right? And how did people learn that the sun was where they thought the earth was? They began to study it. And you know what? I think that that's the same thing. And that's what this psalm is slamming against. It's slamming against like a me life. You ever been around a me monster? Y'all okay this morning? You ever been around a person and like all they ever wanted to do was tell and maybe they may not say it, they may like dropping hints, right? Like the hint dropper that's like worse than they come out and say it. And they just, all that they care about is that everybody else knows how awesome they are. Like if they could have done that, that's a well-spent day. And a lot of people across the U.S. and across the world, the Holy Spirit is doing a work, a supernatural work, breaking out of that old type of view on life to where we're at the center of it and we step back and the lord opens our eyes the work of the holy spirit like you remember that time in your life you didn't even care about god we read this song and you're like whatever a scribe heavens be glad the sea roar that's weird let me put that down and pick up something else the bible no interest in my life whatsoever i mean i you know those cars that you see where it says wash me all the mud, you're like, man, I could write a whole book with the dust on my Bible, and I'm just being honest because I really don't enjoy it. But then one day Jesus shows up, it could be through preaching or whatever, and then you get saved. And then you open and you're like, whoa, this is amazing stuff. And you begin to be changed by the Lord. And you now love what you once hated, and now you hate the lifestyle that you once loved. And it's an absolute change. It's a 360 and freedom is the key. That's what we're talking about today. Our lives are to be to glorify God. And through this whole study of radical, you know what we should really term it? It's not really radical. We should call it biblically normal. And I'll make a note here and I'll go on. And I want to I reinforce this. The reason why it may seem radical for us, and I think we have 13 people right now. Let's just give the Lord some praise this morning for Costa Rica. We've got some people from Rocky Mount, Virginia. And we're going to show up. But the only, the only rule on the trip is don't bring your moonshine shirts. Amen? Alright, we want to share Jesus and not have him knocking back on Grandpa's cough medicine. But... um. Jordan, this is... I don't know if I told you, dude. This is the moonshine capital of the world. Okay, alright. We're, we're on the same page. So, we want to import Jesus. Alright, maybe, maybe not, not that, that aspect, so to speak. But, but, but it's, it's an amazing thing that, that, that when we realize that Jesus is the point of existence, then things like mission trips are normal. Things like going to your neighbor and talking about Jesus or praying for someone, That's normal. And then when we begin to see people saved here in church, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, that's normal. What would be abnormal is we're like, dude, we had church today, and there were like, I don't know how many people we have here, but like, there, there's, there's normally a good, I mean, good group, and like all of us live somewhere around here, and yet we all went out in, in the world in our jobs and schools, but yet we didn't see anybody saved on Sunday. Well, what's up with that? Let me examine my own life. That's what should be weird. It is biblically normal. And the point of the gospel, often you say, now Jeff, I've been through a lot in my life, and I'm kind of bitter at God. You know the reason why you may be bitter at God? is because preachers have lied to you, and here's what they've lied to you about. They tell you that the point of the gospel is you. The point of the gospel is not you, and it is not me. The point of the gospel is the glory of God. And when you say hold on, I thought I thought that when Jesus died on the cross, it's like that song when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. If that song is true, you may as well rip out huge portions of the Bible, because if that's the case, then the gospel is about us, but it's not. Through and through in the scriptures, it's about the glory of God. You say, No, does that mean that God doesn't care about me? No, in fact, it says the opposite that when it's about the glory of God, we get the benefit from that. Here's how it works. He does what we could never do. He changes and transforms us. And in that, He gets glory and we get the benefit. He does the same thing with some of you. He's used some of you to reach people in this area. He gets the glory. The person gets salvation. And you get the joy. That's the way that it works. So I need to get right here. Otherwise, we're going to miss lunch. And I know that this is a Baptist church and you may be excommunicated for probably one thing only and that's making people late for lunch, especially when it's here. Let me give you a statement. Thomas Watson said, and it is some good food. In fact, it is a scientific fact that if you eat at Rocky Mount Baptist Church at one of our luncheons, it's a scientific fact that if you put some of the food on the top of your head, your tongue will beat a hole through your head. You all like that one? I didn't make that up. I heard it. I have no idea where I heard it. You like that one, Joseph? All right. Be careful with that, man. Let me give you a statement about Thomas Watson. He said, quote, The glory of God is a... This is so amazing. Thomas Watson said, The glory of God is a silver thread through which... I'm sorry. The glory of God is a silver thread which must run through all our actions. So this is. I hope this is freeing for you today. You say, Jeff, man, I've been in a dark place in my life. Listen, when you live for that future reality, when we live for that future reality, and we do, like if you notice, it begins in verse 1 with singing to the Lord about all that He's done. Verse 2, sing about His salvation. At the end, it's talking about the Lord coming back to judge. You say, Jeff, I, how do I get out of this state of mind? Do what you do for the glory of God. You know, often people get hurt in church because they do things behind the scenes, but they don't do it for the glory of God. They do it to be noticed. And this is a very loving church. It's a church that I think goes above and beyond letting people know that they're appreciated and welcomed. But if you do, no matter what you do here at this church, if you're doing it so that people will pat you on the back, even the best folks we have here are going to miss it sometimes and not pat you when you needed it. It's not, it's not a good game pad. It's a normal, awesome, normal pat. But when we think about what we do for the glory of God, if everything I do is for Him, then the only person that I'm looking to is Him. That's why it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. I know of so many people who've been in church and they've been disappointed. Do you know why? Because they've looked at preachers. Hey, don't, don't look at me. They've looked at, at music directors. As good-looking as Fred Tudor is, we all like to look at him. But ultimately, at the end of the day... There's every person that we have. Even some of you, you've been married for many years and you could faithfully attest. Uh, you say, you know what? My husband or my wife, they've been amazing. And I love them with all my heart, but there are times that they've let you down. We look at our best friends and, and we say, that, that that person is a blood brother or a blood sister. They're with me. But even they are going to let you down. And the point of living for the glory of God, let me put my Bible down for just one moment so that we get it with the hand motions involved. When we live to God and for God, then it doesn't really matter what people say or do to us. Amen? That's freedom. That's like somebody coming and cutting the chains off of us, having to care what people think. So let, let me walk through the seven application points got seven out of this text. Our main driving thought, the one point, the main idea, the heart of the text, the sermon and the sentence, Psalm 96 is this. You exist to bring glory to God by showing the world the greatness of God. Number one, we should sing new songs that come from a new heart. Verse number one, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. You can sing to the Lord happy songs. Psalms is full of that. You can sing to the Lord sad songs. Some people think that if you're a Christian, you're never supposed to be sad. Well, why don't you go ahead and tear out the entire book of Lamentations? People think that if you're a Christian, you're supposed to say, Oh, fine, praise the Lord. (laughs) Who does that? It is normal. And biblical, not only, please hear this, not only to go through difficult times, but to where Jesus said, not only will you go through difficult times if you serve me, but if they hated me, they will hate you. Wow. So that's what I signed up for. It gets even better. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 12. We've gone over this text many times. All who seek, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, That means that when we serve the Lord, we are going to come into an absolute confrontation with the world and everyone in it. But we have one thing that they don't. The only thing that matters and that is the love and the grace of a Savior who saved us and keeps us saved. Number two, sing and speak of how He saved you. Notice verse number two. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation day to day. I remember Jerry Rankin, he's the former president of our, of our Southern Baptist um, International Mission Board. And he tells of his wife, and she was in this place in Southeast Asia. And she was walking along seeing people in all sorts of idolatry, all sorts of false philosophy. There's a lot of religion in that area of the world. And she was listening to a praise song on her iPod. And she was wondering why these people are in such drudgery. Why they're they're so miserable. Why it seems like they're just trying to do just this much to offset karma for a few years. And then the thought came to her, the reason why these people don't sing to God is because they have no song to sing. And when you get saved have to be up here like jordan with a mic but but i want you to be, be very clear this morning when you get saved you'll want to give praise to god if you are drowning and the boat has wrecked and you are drowning and someone sticks out their hand and pulls you into a lifeboat you will want to thank that person But sometimes it seems like as Christians we get so constrained by tradition that we can't sing. Do y'all know it's okay to sing and sing with passion? Good job this morning, choir. Good job, Jordan. And don't you think that if God, if we believed that God was maybe 5% as amazing as the Bible says that He is, we would do things like declare in verse 3, sing to the Lord. You say, Jeff, what is God worthy of musically? God is worthy of every one of our voices. If you squeak and you can't carry a tune in a paper bag, go ahead, baby, and let it rip. We just won't give you a microphone. Alright? And it is is called an all-out. You can sing in the congregation. You can sing to the Lord. You can sing driving down the road. Have you ever gotten caught uh, singing to the Lord down the road? Maybe you're playing the air guitar or the air drums or the air whatever it may be, the air accordion. I mean, I don't know exactly what it may be. But when you sing to the Lord, there's going to be passion. Sometimes I'll turn on CMT. You ever watch CMT? Okay. Some of you are like, is he going to call me out for being a... One thing I noticed from Kenny Chesney concerts is that everybody there is on board. Have you noticed that? When the camera pans, like I've never seen anybody at a Kenny Chesney church, excuse me, rephrase that, a Kenny Chesney concert. Yikes sitting back there like this, silent, the security guards... But not the people who are there. But you know, I've been in some church services before to where it's been absolutely I mean, it is so high church, you've got to buzz when you walk out. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it is that you know, everybody's cold. It's like in this little box, and nobody can show any emotion. And it's just like, should I turn to my left two inches or will I get excommunicated? What's gonna happen? When you sing, sing for God. Amen? Sing for the Lord. And the thing is, too, if people, if the world can sing songs like Sweet Home Alabama and Free Bird, and there's a tear in my beer, and songs that really ultimately they may have a cool groove, whichever your musical style is, or if you're a rapper and you rap, no matter what it is, at the end of the day, the song's not attached to Christ and there's no hope. So I ask you a question. If you are, no matter how long you have been saved, often Christians have problems with styles. The style of music is not the point. If you say, I will not worship, if there's just the organ and just the piano, that is saying that I have to have a certain style of music to worship. In other words, God, you're not good enough, I've got to have a full band. And if you're a person who says, you know what, if there's ever a guitar up here, if there's ever a drum kit, or if there's ever anything, I will, I will sit back. That is a serious, deadly heart problem. And here's why. The music that we do here is not for you and it's not for me. It's for God. Amen? So everything that we've had here in this church in the past, everything we'll do in the future is for God. It's not to satisfy people's appetites. And you know what's cool about that? It means that we can come to church and say, it doesn't have to be my song. It doesn't have to be traditional or contemporary or bluegrass or polka. It can be whatever as long as we're singing to Jesus. Amen, church? That's the biblical point. And I pray that God continues to free us from both ends of the spectrum. Then notice in verse 3, it says to declare the glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. Now notice it says the nations plural. It doesn't say just one. And if you're reading the King James, the word there is heathen. Nations, heathen in the Bible means people who don't know Jesus. And how many of them, should we tell? Notice it says, Among how many of the peoples? All. Every single, not person, but people groups. You no, know I've been so amazed at, at this church. You're reaching out to your friends. Let me just give a couple of examples and I hope that this won't embarrass too many people. Um, Deborah, Olivers, y'all are here. Begin to come because your friend reached out to you. Kenny got saved. I love you. We're so glad having you guys here. Um, Another one, uh, Chris. Joseph, invested in Chris, man. You're here. We're so glad. I wrote this down. Narmors in the Sweats. You guys found out us about us by the website. And that's because Matt is using his talents for the Lord. Um, Willie and Deb, Mom and, and Big Man, invited you. Deb. You got saved, trust the Lord, baptized. We're so glad to have you. And, and I, I could go on and on. We've even got, I think through a friend, and now we've got Ted Tudor, the great white hunter. I think we could have every man in Franklin County saved if we just let Ted teach a class on how to kill stuff. Amen? Alright? That's what I'm talking about. And see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Often we get so, um, I guess we could say, confused when we read verses like this in the Bible and we think that that has to do with, with with the pastor. But it says to declare the glory among nations. Who is that to? Anybody and everybody who reads the Bible and loves Jesus. So here's how uh, it begins to go. And I just say also, um, Deborah came and, and she joined. And then Jennifer, you came and you got saved. And then your dad came and he got saved. And Helene, you came and joined. I mean, uh, we, we could go on day after day after day. Even some of the folks who not able to be here today and that's how the gospel spreads that's why the bible says to spread his word among the unreached people groups in your community and around the world you say now jeff that may be good we're glad to have the new people here john we met in boxing class i was afraid i was like i don't want to go up against john but that's the way that it works But the church culture has lied to us because it says if you get the best musicians you can find and you get them up here and have a big show, then people will come, and that's the church. If you get the best preacher in the world, it can be funny or or this or that or crazy or erratic or preach long sermons, whatever it may be. But that's how no, the way that it works is all of us know people. The way that it works is when our hearts become changed to the point to where we care enough about people. And I'm not even talking about making new friends. I'm talking about the people that we know. When our hearts become changed to the point where we say, "Lord, you are glorious. Your works are marvelous, great." Verse four. Look at this with me. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. That's another thing too. You talk to your lost friends, and when you talk with them, seriously, be honestly uh, open and say, "I'm just going to contrast what." Faith in Christ is what the way that your life is going. And a lot of times people in church say, now Jeff, you, you, look at verse number 5 here. It's a pretty straightforward. Verse 4 also. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Does that mean that I'm supposed to tell people that they're supposed to serve Jesus Christ and Him only? Yes. Verse number 5. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. That's saying that anything other than faith in Jesus Christ is not true and will ultimately lead to heartbreak and hopelessness and ultimately, if we get to verse 13, hell and judgment. Verse number six, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Some people say, Jeff, man, I I don't know if these people will ever change. You You don't know these people like I do. Well, you know what? You're exactly right. They will never change. Nobody ever changes. But when Jesus comes and he grabs a hold of a heart, he changes them. That rescues you and I from having to think that we are the ones who change people. It means everything we should do should be pointing to how great God is and how he can change them. And then often people in church say, well, Jeff, I want to see people saved. But that may be be like I'm going to confront them. I don't like uh, tension. That's good. That may mean that you're not a contentious person. And often we have this idea in our mind, have you ever heard of the KJV beatdown? Right? The really self-righteous, hypocritical Christian. Not the, I mean, the King, I'm not saying that about the King James Version, but we just have the, the, the idea in our mind of someone grabbing a large leather Bible that could be used as a bludgeon, and they come along to their own Christian friends and they begin to beat them over the head with the Bible. You know I've really never met maybe maybe one or two people in all my church experience. you know what most of us struggle with? We struggle with being too timid, don't we? We struggle with not wanting to be offensive to people so we don't say anything. Say something, invite them to church, implore them to come, take the gospel to them, just pour into their lives. let the power of Christ come into your heart and spill over. You say what well, make it may get, they, they may get mad at me. well. When we live to the glory of God, really, not that we walk around saying, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you think about me. But it's not going to determine our joy. And if someone gets mad at you, you can count yourself blessed because the Bible says, blessed are they that persecute you. And, and let's imagine that the person gets angry enough to even hit you. Which probably won't happen, but let's say extreme circumstance it does, you can be in the great hall of heroes with Paul and Silas counting themselves blessed to suffer for the name of Christ. You are blessed when people exclude you because you follow Christ. You are blessed when you are persecuted For Jesus Christ. So let us get up and let us throw off the chains of not wanting to offend people. Because most people who are saying, I don't want to offend people, you won't. Because you care about people. If you didn't care about offending people, it would show that you don't care about people at all. But go to the text and explain to them how amazing the Lord Lord actually is. And it says to ascribe worth to the Lord. We're running out of time, my goodness. Uh, Let me give you a very quick synopsis of the last couple of verses. Verse number 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. That means that Jesus only is Lord. Amen, church? He's not a Lord. He's not one of many. He is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. And it speaks of God in the last phrase of verse 10, judging the peoples with equity. There's an old Johnny Cash song and it's called God's Gonna Cut You Down. How many of you have heard the Johnny Cash song? Okay, we're on the same page today. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Right? Sooner or later, God is gonna cut you down. That is absolutely and 100% from Country music matches up Johnny Cash with Psalm 96 and the rest of Scripture. Did you know that throughout the Bible, there are verses that most preachers today do a good job, and I'm not trying to just a group put down, but it's very difficult in today's politically correct culture to get around trying to not offend people. Throughout Genesis to Revelation, it speaks of God coming to judge the world, not because He is hate-filled, but because He is full of love and He has to judge. It is part of His nature. He cannot overlook sin. He cannot overlook evil. He will come and judge. And we used this illustration a while ago. But imagine if we're all there just sitting on a plane. We're looking at Hoover Dam. We're there at the bottom. And all of a sudden, we see a crack in Hoover Dam. Underneath Hoover Dam, if you've seen the movie Transformers, that's where all the aliens are kept, so that's when we know they built Hoover Dam. Just kidding. And we see that the dam begins to break, and we realize that there's no way that we could run. And all of a sudden, there's this earth-shattering crash, and the water spills through. It's only going to be a few seconds before millions of gallons of water literally rips us apart. And then before it comes, and we all perish, the ground opens up, And swallows every bit of the water. Do you know that's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? That when He sat there and suffered and died, it wasn't just the physical pain, but it was experiencing the wrath of God that was meant for me because of my sin. And because of that, Jesus said, it is finished. Which means that it's paid. And He bowed His head, and He gave up His spirit, and He died. And the incredible thing about the Gospel is that He offers that forgiveness. He offers that changed life. He offers us His power to go extend the hand of salvation to your friends and to your family members and bring them to church to hear the Word, hear it preached, and for you to take the Word to them there at their home. And be encouraged that every sacrifice is worth it for Jesus Christ. In the book, Radical Together, it, it speaks of Adoniram Judson, who was a missionary. And here's what he wrote. I want you to think in terms of sacrifice. Here's what he wrote to his father-in-law asking for the man's daughter in marriage. He says, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter next, early next spring. To see her no more in this world. Back then you could not get on a plane and come home. When you went, you stayed. Whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death, If you have a daughter, men, imagine a young man asking you for your daughter's hand in marriage with this written request. Can you consent to all this for the sake of Him who left His heavenly home and died for her and for you? For the sake of the perishing immortal souls? For the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this and hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamations of praise which shall redound to her Savior from the heathens Saved through her means from eternal woe and despair, and they went. And today, where they went, oh. Spending 38 years overseas, Adoniram Judson lost two wives and seven children to premature death. Yet today there are nearly 4,000 just Baptist churches with over a half a million followers of Christ in the heart of Buddhist Burma, now known as Myanmar. The sacrifice that God may call us to make could cost us our lives, but often in the U.S., all that He asked us to do is possibly, He may send you over long term, but possibly go on a short term trip, or if not that, the call of Jesus Christ is to win Franklin County to Jesus. But that can only happen when our hearts are changed to care more about those people being saved from hell and following and loving Christ than we do about people talking about us. May it be said that we are willing to lay down everything for the one who laid down everything for us.